Years ago, I, as a youth pastor, I took a, my youth group, almost 100 kids out one night. And I have a friend that owns a large peat bog business in South Georgia. And uh, as you know, peat is constantly decomposing and things of that nature. And what I didn't know till Bill took me out one night was that peat will give off these eerie, iridescent, green, glowing fumes that rise up during the night. And you can see it on a moonlit night. It is the weirdest thing you've ever seen. So I got the bright idea that we would do a hayride in the peat bog. And Bill and some friends of mine, Dave Van Osdale and others, they got together and they rigged up speakers along the trail. And we told some of the best ghost stories that night around the fire and had a great time. Then we asked, everybody ready to go on the hayride? We had these three tractors and big old trailers and off we went. And then suddenly at a pre-planned place, we heard something. Now you gotta remember, these kids had never been in a peat bog before. We heard something and we shut off the tractors, we shut off the lights and told everybody to be quiet. And you could see those green iridescent fumes rising up out of the ground. Girls began to whimper. Even big boys got scared. And then all of a sudden, these men from the church that had helped me, they came roaring out of the woods and hollering and screaming. And that's the time that every college student looks forward to when he can be the hero for his girlfriend. And we had a great old time that night. They still talk about that. Bill has gone on to be with Jesus. Davis was his son-in-law. He's running the business now. But there's something about ghost stories. You know, people love them. I, I've never been into horror stories. I cannot watch a horror movie. I just, I, something about ghoulishness and blood and gore, I just, I can't watch them. Somebody asked me the other day, he said, have you read Stephen King's new book? I said, I've never read any of his books. And they looked at me like I'd lost my mind. And I said, I just, you know, that's just something I can't stomach, you know. And, but ghost stories, I mean, if you live in the South, in my hometown, there's the Cannonball House. And the Cannonball House is where Sherman passed by. You know, he wasn't a good guy, but I'll just leave it at that. Sherman passed by and he didn't come and attack our city because he was in a rush to get to Savannah, but he was on the ridge on the far side and he lobbed, he lobbed a mortar shot that traveled over six miles. That's how far the ridge is across the Okmulgee Valley. And it hit Judge Asa Holt's home and it was a cannon, it's called the Cannonball House. Legend is, is that the cannonball killed somebody. It didn't explode and that their ghost is there. And so anytime you go to the Cannonball House, they're going to tell you about the ghost. And of course, they keep that alive because it keeps guests coming to visit the Cannonball House. Years ago, Becky and I were, first time we ever stayed in a BB&B. And I got to tell you, I didn't want to go stay in a BB&B. The idea of staying in a stranger's home that I didn't know, 
especially in Boston, Massachusetts, just did not appeal to me. But I love my wife. So we arrived at the BB&B, and that night, that lady was so weird. She was telling us about ghosts in the house and all this kind of stuff. We got up to the bedroom. She says, pray. I said, we always pray. She goes, no, pray. So that woman's full of the devil. I don't believe in ghosts, but that woman's full of the devil. There's no telling what she's attracted to this house. I said, Becky, don't worry. Pray, Dennis, now, or I'm going to do it myself. So I prayed. I pled the blood of Jesus and everything else I thought would make Becky happy. And we got up the next morning. She says, we're leaving. I said, we've already paid for the week. She says, we're leaving today. So we checked out and we left the BB&B. There is a realm of evil. We've talked about that just recently in the message on Deep Hope and the fourth series I did, we talked about the Antichrist. I told you we never have to fear evil. You never have to fear the devil. Look at me. You never have to fear the devil. You are blood-washed, blood-bought, born-again, redeemed Christians full of the Holy Spirit. You never have to fear the devil. Amen. Erwin McManus writes in one of his books of how he, he's pastor of Mosaic Church in California. He writes of how he sent his kid to church camp and he said, my little boy came home from camp he said, most camps, they tell ghost stories at night, but he said, this camp told demon stories all week. He says, I went in to shut off the light after I prayed with my son, and he says, Daddy, don't turn off the light. He says, my son's never been afraid of the dark. And I said, well, honey, I need to turn off the light so you can go to sleep. He says, Daddy, there are demons everywhere. And he began to tell them all these demon stories that he'd heard at this church camp. And so he knelt down beside his son, and he told his son, son, you're a child of God. You gave your heart to Jesus. You don't have to be afraid of the devil. He says, Daddy, pray that I won't be afraid of the devil. And I loved what Erwin said to his son. He says, son, I'm not going to pray that you're not afraid of the devil. I'm going to pray that you are so bold and so courageous in Jesus that the devil is afraid of you. And if any demon ever comes near you, he's going to turn around and hightail it and run because you're full of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Isn't that a great story? And it's so true. I want to start a series today that's not going to recap what we've been talking about in the book of Acts, but I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit, or as people used to say, the Holy Ghost. Who is he? What does he do? People seem to be real familiar with, and maybe even clear on who the Father is. You know, God is one God, but he manifests himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They seem to be real clear about who the Father is, and they seem to be real clear about who the Son is. But too often, people are very confused about who the Holy Spirit is. And I want the same clarity that you have about the Father and the Son to erase the confusion that you might have about the Holy Spirit who he is and what he does. And I know sometimes there are reports of weird things by weird people. One morning, one of the pastors called me and said, have you seen the paper? I go, not yet. He goes, you got to read this story. And it was a story about a church in the metro area. And they were talking about 
the Holy Ghost and there was gold dust falling and there were teeth being filled and, and uh, he says, what do you think? I said, let me tell you something. If gold dust was falling in that church, they would break the doors down collecting the gold dust because it's so valuable. Friends, there are all kinds of weird things that people try to attribute to the Holy Spirit. I've even had people tell me that they sinned because the Holy Spirit told them to sin. And I go, wait a minute. The Holy Spirit's not going to tell you. I'm telling you, you can say what you want to, Pastor, but I know God told me to do this. I said, well, why are you coming to see me if God told you to do this? Well, we're in trouble. I said, well, you go talk to the Holy Ghost about your trouble. Don't come talk to me. He told you to sin. Pastor, don't mock me. Help me. I go, it's hard to help somebody that says, I don't care what you say. I know what the Holy Ghost said. I mean, who am I to argue with the Holy Ghost? But I can take you to the Bible and I can show you who the Holy Spirit is how he leads, how he guides, and what he does. And that's what I want to do in this service. My good friend, Mary Nigel, when I was pastoring in Georgia, his wife, God had really touched her at our church, and God was just doing some amazing things in his life. And so, Mary Nigel showed up one night at the service. And he had been very kind to me. He had opened doors for me in the community. And, and I always respect and appreciate him for it. But I will never forget, if you'll just let me leave the platform for a second, I will never forget he was standing over here on this side of the church. People were like we do on midweek services and sometimes Sunday here, like we did last night. We had an incredible prayer service here last night. But he's just standing there and he was, his arms were crossed and he just kept looking around and looking around. So I walked over beside the mirror and I said, uh, what you thinking? He goes, there's such amazing peace and love in this room. He said, I'm looking. He said, these people are all at peace and they're sense and fill the love of the Holy Spirit or, or the love of God. And then he looked to me and he smiled and he said, you know, you and I are in the same business. He said, we're just trying to make people feel better. We're just trying to make people feel good. And and we're just trying to help him along in life. He owned a big liquor company. And I looked at him and I said, but Mr. Mayor, I'm doing my best to put you out of business. Because when these people wake up tomorrow, they're going to be in the right bed. When these people wake up tomorrow, they're not going to be ashamed of what they've done tonight. When these people wake up tomorrow, they're going to be full of the Holy Ghost. They're going to be happy and joyful. They're not going to have a headache. And when these people show up for work tomorrow, they're going to be ready to give 100% because they have the living energy of the Lord Jesus Christ living in them. Can you say that about your spirits? I loved him. He was a good man. But boy, sometimes people get really confused. Dr. Richard Love, who was the associate editor of Christianity Today, a magazine that many of you are familiar with. If you were into theology, I know Jonathan, you're, where are you at, Jonathan? There you are. You're a big fan of theology. You know F.F. F. Bruce, probably one of the greatest conservative biblical scholars of the last century. Dick had done his... PhD and his dissertation under Dr. Bruce's tutelage in, at Oxford University in England. Dick one night came to our church. He was for four years in Macon. We have five universities in Macon. And um, he came to Macon 
And we became good friends, and he and Nancy would be at our house, or we'd go to their house, and you come to our house, we had this nice little house, but you went to Dick's house, his library was bigger than our whole house, you know, just a really brilliant, intelligent man. And I remember Dick came into our church, we were still in the basement at that time, and when Dick was getting ready to leave that night, he looked at me and he took both my hands. He said, I just want to thank you. This is the first time in my life that I've ever felt like I've just taken a bath in pure love. He said, I've studied the Holy Spirit, but tonight I've experienced the Holy Spirit. You see, you can know about Rick Sutherland. You can read about Rick Sutherland. But until you've actually walked with Rick Sutherland, you don't know who Rick Sutherland really is. And you can read a lot of books about God or about the Holy Spirit, but until you can walk with him, you really don't know who he is. And maybe you're put off because you've read the gold dust stories, or maybe you're put off because you've read of people doing weird things. Friends, I kind of feel about the weird people the way Jesus said about the poor. You will have the weird with you always until Jesus comes back. You will have the weird with you always. But tonight or this morning, I want to talk to you about someone that I love so deeply, someone I crave so deeply for you, and that's the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus was telling his disciples, I'm going away now. I'm going back to my Father, which is in heaven. And the disciples were so sad. I mean, I can imagine them beginning to weep. I can also imagine a little bit of anger because they had left everything they had to follow Jesus. In those days, a father, learned his, a father taught his career or his vocation to his son. And the son would carry on the business. If the father had more than one son, he would sometimes apprentice that other son out to someone else that could teach him how to have a trade. And now their fathers have gotten other people to work in their businesses. The businesses have gone belly up, maybe, if they were like Matthew, a tax collector. And they said, what do you mean you're leaving? We've left everything to follow you. We've given up our income. We've given up our trade. What do you mean you're going away? And Jesus looks at them and he says, hey guys, it's good for you that I go away. And I can remind, imagine Peter saying, it's good for you, but it's not good for us. You're going back to the Father, but we're left here in this world without a trade, anything to do. We've left our families to follow you, Jesus. Read along with me here in the scripture. Jesus says, the longer I've talked, the sadder you've become. So let me say it again, this truth. It's better for you that I leave. If I don't leave, the friend or the Holy Spirit won't come. But if I go, I'll send him, the Holy Spirit, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he'll expose the error of the godless world's view of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He'll show them that their refusal to believe in me is their basic sin. The righteousness comes from above, where I am with the Father, out of their sight and control. And that judgment takes place as the ruler of this godless world is brought to trial and convicted. I want to tell you, 
some Holy Ghost stories for the next few weeks. And I want you to live and move and breathe with me what the Holy Spirit done and what he's doing today. Would you stand with me for one more passage of Scripture? And then we're going to pray. Once when he was eating with them, Jesus, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized. That means to be immersed, to be completely put under, like diving into a pool, you're baptized. So when the apostles were Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know, but you will receive power. You're going, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, the thing that they were dreading, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. And they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them, men of Galilee. They said, why are you staring here into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. But someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Now, our Heavenly Father... You have given us these passages about the Holy Spirit, not only so we would know you better, but so that we could do what we do effectively. You have given to us the greatest message in the world. God, our world needs the message that you've committed to the church. Our streets are stained with blood. Our stadiums and softball fields. Our schools and in some cases churches. Entertainment venues, Lord. Even as I was walking through the United States Capitol this week, I looked at the places where gunmen had shot. God, our world is experiencing terrible natural catastrophes right now. Our nation especially is reeling, Lord, from the hurricanes and the storms, the wildfires. God, we are blanketed with a wave, God, of immorality that will only lead to destruction. And yet you have given to us the greatest message in the world, the good news of Jesus Christ. And you have also given us the friend the advocate, the comforter, the Holy Spirit from heaven. And so I pray that we would listen with attentive ears to the God who calls the things that are not into being and to the God that we pray to this morning who is not just creator God, but is a loving father, is a healing God, is a loving God, is a restoring God. And Lord, we believe that you will call things into existence that are not. For faith is the evidence of things not seen, Lord. It's the belief, God, that you will bring them into being. And we pray, Lord, for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we pray, Lord, 
for revival in America. And we pray, Lord, for a powerful advancement of the good news of Jesus Christ, the hope of every living man, woman, and child that God has come into this world and he abides with us still today. For it's in Jesus' precious and holy name I pray. And everyone said, amen, amen, and amen, and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Well, God bless you. Give someone a hug and you can be seated this morning. I didn't grow up in a church tradition that was high church. There's high church and there's low church among people that talk about ecclesiology. I grew up in low, low church. We would have never said, matter of fact, we believe that people that said these creeds every week, they, I was taught to mock them. It was only later when I began to study them that I realized how powerful they were. And as young parents, Becky and I taught these creeds to our children because they're such a succinct example of the faith and what they are. So I'd like you to read the Apostles' Creed out loud with me this morning. Let's begin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, and he ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost. What? Who? Let's say it again. I believe in the Holy Ghost. Do you think there was any confusion about the authors of this creed about who the Holy Ghost was? None whatsoever. Let's say it again. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. There's something amazing that happened on the day of Pentecost. We looked at it last summer. When we studied Acts chapter 2 together on the Sunday morning service in a series that I'm calling Passionate Christianity, and then I'll conclude that series, the Lord willing, this next summer. But we looked at on Acts chapter 2 how powerfully the Holy Spirit moved, and suddenly walls of hostility were broken down. Jews and Gentiles suddenly were becoming one in Christ. Slave and free man were becoming one in Christ. Male and female were becoming one in Christ. And God did something amazing on that day of Pentecost when the church went from 120 to over 3,000 in a single day. And it didn't stop there. It didn't happen every day, but within some frequency, there were these mass conversions that were taking place in Israel, and that revival began to spread. But something powerful about that church was that the Lord was adding daily to their number such it was saved. I don't know if you remember, but this past summer, I preached from Acts chapter 13 about the five guys in Acts chapter 13 and verse 1. How many of you have ever heard of five guys before? Not the hamburger guys, but the five guys from Acts chapter 13 and verse 1. They were, let me read them to you again, Barnabas, who was a Jew, Simeon, who was an African, Lucius from Cyrene, another Gentile, Manan, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, who was another Gentile, and of course, Saul, Saul who had been the persecutor of the church. Friends, only the power of the Holy Spirit could have brought these people together into the same room and made them one in Christ. 
And the Bible records it how these people from different backgrounds, they began to fast and they began to pray together and they began to seek God together and they accepted one another as brother and sister and equal in Christ. That is an incredible display of the Holy Spirit's power. And one of the things I love about what Jesus said, he says, don't leave until you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 1, he says, and you'll receive power. Not too long ago, I, got a, I get all these mailings from different companies about different ways that we can do church and different things that we can do for church. And I got something called Church in a Box. And when I opened up Church in a Box, I set it on my desk and I said, where were you 41 years ago? I mean, you just pop open the box and boom, out pops a church. I read the letter, I watched the video, all of the cool things. All I had to do was just come in here and give you Church in the Box and boom, we were going to have this big, fantastic church. And it was so cool. And yet I thought, 41 years ago, I believed what I still believed. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. And when the Holy Ghost came, he didn't give us church in the box. He gave us power to do the will of God. Can we give him a hand of praise for that this morning? Power. Power to do God's will. Power to live victoriously for him. Power to have godly marriages and godly homes. And to give this kind of power to that early church, you've read about them in the book of Acts, it was like giving the keys to a brand new Corvette to a seven-year-old. They made a lot of mistakes. They blew up some things from time to time. Peter had to confront, excuse me, Paul had to confront Peter one time because Peter decided he couldn't eat with the Gentiles because of, of offending the Jews. And so Paul rebuked him. He said, if you do that, you're going to divide the church. And then there were other times the church had to be rebuked because they were allowing immorality. There were other times the church had to be rebuked because they were denying who the Christ was. And somehow or another, he was just a spirit and not fully human. And so when you read the New Testament, you'll read that the church has always had problems. And so once in a while, somebody will say to me, our church just has so many problems. I go, well, congratulations, you're a New Testament church. Did you get that? A New Testament church is not a perfect church. And if you're looking for the perfect church, Woodland Church is not it. But please, when you find it, stay away from it because you're going to screw it all up because there is no such thing as perfect people, so there will never be a perfect church. Well, yeah, come on, think about that. I was looking at the word Messiah the other day, and I got a whole new sermonic inspiration, Pastor Rick. I divided the word Messiah. Messiah. And I said, Jesus, I know why the New Testament is so full of problems, because you are the Messiah. You have come to save us from all the messes we create for ourselves. And you know what? I'm a mess. You're a mess. Everybody's a mess. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Some of you will get that about Messiah later. So I look at this and I think the power that God has given to the church, what does that mean? What would the church look like infused with the power of the Holy Spirit. What will the church look like living in the Holy Ghost? And as a young man, I used to think, boy, if we could just get back to what the church was in Jerusalem, if we could just get back to what the church was in Antioch. And then years later, it dawned on me, Macon, Georgia was not Jerusalem. Macon, Georgia was not Antioch. And downriver, this bustling, growing community that we live in, 
We're in Brownstown in particular where our church is located at. The average age is 32 years old. We're in Brownstown. We're the fast, second fastest growing community in the state of Michigan, according to what I was told at the state capitol last year when I was praying there. Something is happening in Down River. Down River has doubled in population since Becky and I moved here. And we have close to a half a million people in so many languages and people from all over the world. And I love the fact that the Messiah has come to save all of this half a million people from the messes that we created. And we will do it by sharing the good news of Jesus and living in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's why I think it's so incumbent that we not try to put God in a box, that we not try to confine God, that we not try to limit God, but we recognize that God is sovereignly free to express himself anywhere, anytime, anyhow he pleases. Can you say amen? Anywhere, anytime, anyhow he pleases. Well, let's look at this just a little bit deeper this morning. Here's another story from the Old Testament about your creation, our creation. At the time, God made heaven and earth before any grasses or shrubs had sprouted from the ground. God hadn't yet sent rain on earth, nor was there anyone around to work the ground. The whole earth was watered by underground springs. Now, look at this. God formed man out of dirt from the ground. God literally took soil and he formed human beings. He formed us. Then the Bible says, he blew into our nostrils the breath of life, and the man came alive. Read that last phrase with me. A living, say it again. One more time. A living soul. Who did that? It was the breath of God. The Hebrew word is ruach. The Greek word is pneuma. It means breath. It means air. You are more than animated tissue. When God created the animals, he spoke them into existence. They are animated tissue. When God created the fish, he spoke them into existence. Brothers and sisters, hear me this morning. God formed you and God breathed into your life. It's why we call it the imagio Deo, the image of God in us. It's why we say that life is sacred because God breathed his life into us. You're all familiar with mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. We've taught those classes here at Woodland before, how to give mouth to mouth resuscitation. Some of you practiced that when you were in college on your girlfriend, you know, and it still didn't work. And you, some of you are looking at your wives right now and nodding your heads. But God breathed into you. You are a living soul. It was more than just creating us. God didn't want us just filled with oxygen. God just didn't want us breathing. God wanted us made in his image, so he breathed his life into us. That's why people are sacred. That's why life is sacred. You and I are children of God. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise this morning? We're living souls. I love to ride horses. I haven't ridden in a long time. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who owns a horse ranch over in Milan and says, listen, come ride anytime. We'll saddle up. You can go. And, and I'm looking so forward to going over and riding. But every once in a while, back when I used to ride every week, I'd get a hold of a spirited horse. How many of you have ever heard that phrase before? Spirited horse. That meant that horse was kind of ferocious. That meant that horse had a lot of vitality and a lot of energy. And I've gotten on some 
spirited horses that would rear up and buck, and it's fun to ride a spirited horse if you know what you're doing. And then sometimes we meet spirited children, and I got to tell you, I am deeply drawn to spirited children, as long as they're your children, okay? I am deeply drawn to those, because those spirited children, they're children that are into everything. They're, they're lively, they're full of activity, and they're full of action. It's what God puts in us. It's his breath of life. We're acknowledging the work of the Holy Spirit. But if God takes away that breath, we die. Look at these two passages, Psalms 104 and verse 29. If you turn away from them, if you turn away from people, they panic. I want you to know the worst thing that can happen is what happened to Jerusalem. When Jerusalem's sins had become so deep, when the priesthood had become so corrupt, and the political system becomes so corrupt, the Bible says that the Spirit of God departed from Jerusalem. They panicked. And it wasn't long until they were overtaken by their enemies and the city was leveled and demolished. You do not want God to turn his face away from you. I don't say that to frighten you. I say that for you to recognize just how important the Holy Spirit is in your life. When you take away their breath, they die and turn again to dust. When you give them your breath, life is created and you renew the face of the earth. Look at Romans 8, 2. And because you belong to him, the power, look at how God describes the Holy Spirit here. Say it with me. The power of the life-giving spirit. Say that again. Life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that animates us. It's my prayer so deeply for this church that we live and move and have our being in him. And when God's Holy Spirit is upon us, wonderful things can happen, powerful things can happen. It's not just enough to know, look at me, don't miss this, it's not just enough to know that God is the creator God. You have to believe that God whom we pray to this morning is able to call into existence whatever we need for this hour that we live in today. Can I say it again? You've got to believe not just that he's the creator God, but that God is able and God is willing to answer our prayers and that God is willing to call into existence whatever personal needs you're facing, whatever community needs we're facing in our community, whatever statewide needs and whatever national needs. The worst thing that could happen for our community and for our schools and for our nation is for the church to give up and to say the days of revival are past and for the church to give up and not to pray anymore. We need people filled with the Holy Spirit more than ever before in the history of this nation. And when that happens, powerful things take place. Look at Judges chapter 15. As Samson approached Lehi, the Philistines came out to meet him shouting in triumph, and the Spirit of God came upon him with great power. The ropes on his arms fell apart like flax on fire, and the thong slipped off his hands, and he spotted a fresh donkey jawbone and reached down and grabbed it, and he killed the whole company. Friends, if God is with you, that's, if God isn't with you, that's not going to happen. And Samson said, with donkey's jawbone, I have made heaps of donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone... I killed an entire company, and when he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone, and he named that place Ramoth-Lehi, or Jawbone Hill. I said, Pastor, why do you read us that story? 
Because in the Old Testament, only certain individuals were anointed by God. The king was anointed by God. The priest was anointed by God. The prophet was anointed by God. Sometimes God would come upon somebody like Samson. But in the New Testament, all of us have received an anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't reside with a select few. He abides in all who have confessed Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I don't know about you, but I want more of him today, and I want more of him for you than I've ever wanted in my entire life. We need the Spirit of the Lord. So let me give you three things before we go home this morning that I want you to consider and think about as we begin this series on ghost stories. Number one, acknowledge the mystery of the Holy Spirit. Acknowledge the mystery of the Holy Spirit. What really troubled me about church in the box as it was sent to me was that somehow or another, the good people who made this church in the box thought that somehow or another, they could confine God to a box, they could write a little program, make a little DVD, and suddenly you could make church in the box. You can't predict, you can't confine, you can only follow if you want to be used of the Holy Spirit. And you have to follow according to what God's word says. Know the word of God. Listen to what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. The wind blows wherever it wants, and just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Holy Spirit. What's he saying? There is mystery to the Holy Spirit. And some people and some churches, some ministries behave like they're licensed franchisees of the Holy Spirit, that they have a corner on the market, that they have this special gift, and I have them call me from time to time, and God uses me this way. God has given to me this ministry. God has given to me this spirit. Friends, understand something. None of us are licensed franchises of the Holy Spirit. We can't sing a certain song. We can't preach a certain way. We can't have a certain skit. We can't have a certain ministry that is sure to bring the power of God down. The only thing that brings the power of God is when we live obedient obedient and reverent lives and we reverence the mystery of the Holy Spirit. He is God. Can we give him a hand of praise this morning? But then there are other churches that act like the Holy Spirit doesn't even exist and other ministries that act like the Holy Spirit doesn't even exist. They've heard the weird things that the weird people will do and the weird you will always have with you. Philip Yancey wrote in one of his books, and I'm a big fan of Philip Yancey, all of his books, but listen to this. I attended, he said, I attended a Christian college at a time when a sister school posted instructions on what to do in case of emergencies. And this is how they defined an emergency. Fire, tornado, air raid, emotional upset, suicide, or charismatic activity. <laughs> Can you believe that? to put the work of the Holy Spirit alongside suicide. I expect insurance companies to say acts of God so they can get out of paying a bill, but not a Christian college. Friends, I want us to welcome the work of the Holy Spirit. We used to sing a song years ago, welcome into this place. Welcome, Holy Spirit, into this place. Come have your way among us. Come move in our hearts. We worship you, we adore you, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. That's not irreverent, for God reveals himself. One God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Number two, 
I want to align myself with the Holy Spirit. I want to align myself with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.30, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Say, Pastor, what do you mean to align myself with the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, know this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've committed your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is always with you. And he's prompting you. He's leading you. He's guiding you. And you've probably experienced, like I've experienced at times, Dennis, don't do that. Dennis, don't go that direction. Probably you've maybe in anger wanted to react to something rather than respond with love and kindness and that Holy Spirit comes and you just got to make a choice. And can't that be hard sometime? My little grandson told his mother the other day, he says, Mama, the middle finger means something really, really bad. He didn't know that. And I'm real bad when I'm pressing buttons. I will use my middle. And Nolan goes, Papa, no middle finger. (laughs) I go, you're right, you're right. So I punch the buttons with this finger. He's already getting this intuition of what's right or what's wrong. When the Holy Spirit convicts you, when he comes like Nolan and says, Papa, no middle finger, stop, listen, and repent. Say that with me. Stop, listen, and repent. The worst thing you can do is to try to rationalize it. The worst thing you can do is try to justify it. The worst thing you can do is ignore it. It's why the word of God says, do not quench the spirit. We quench the Holy Spirit when we willingly throw buckets of water by refusing to stop. When we refuse to listen, when we refuse to repent, we're quenching the work of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes people will say to me, I don't sense the spirit of God in my life like I used to. And One of the things I always say is, get before the Lord. Ask him to search your heart. It's what we do every communion service. Search your heart because if you refuse to listen, you're going to be run over by the devil rather than filled with the Holy Ghost. I had a train engineer who was a member of our church in Georgia, and Henry told me one time, he says, I will never, ever, ever understand why people don't stop listen and look at train crossings. And he told me that with tears after the engine of his train had struck a car. Brothers and sisters, when he convicts us, say it with me, stop, listen, and repent. And repent means to turn around. Number two, respond promptly. Respond promptly. I mean, when he convicts you, Hit your knees. When he convicts you, do the opposite. I remember I had an influential mentor of mine one time tell me, and I've never forgotten, he says, Denny, anytime you feel tempted to do wrong, make a decision right then, you're going to do right. And I said, talk to me about that a little more. He says, anytime you feel like you're going to do something that's sin, understand that's what the devil wants you to do, and God wants you to do just the opposite. So instead of hating love, instead of holding a grudge, forgive. You see, when the Holy Spirit, when we have the Holy Spirit, please listen to this. When we have the Holy Spirit, we have healthy marriages. When we have the Holy Spirit, we have healthy families. When we have the Holy Spirit, we love one another, no matter the color of their skin or their ethnicity. We become the the five guys. We become the church. 
that's full of the Holy Spirit. You're my brother, you're my sister in the Lord. Our Father is the same. When you have the Holy Spirit, it's not about gold dust and feelings. It's not about weird. It's about the new life that Jesus Christ brings to us. We have the fruit and we have the gifts and we have the power of God to reach our world for Jesus Christ. That's what happens. So respond. Look at this next verse. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. And I preached a whole sermon on this because walking in the Spirit involves relationship. It involves relationship. So when I come alongside of someone and I say, here, let me help you. If you trust me, you let me help you. When I come along someone, and maybe it's a lady, and I say, here, let me help you, and I stick out my arm, and she puts her hand on side my arm, she trusts me so I can help her. What we're doing when we respond promptly, we're trusting the Holy Spirit. We're walking in relationship with him. We're having fellowship. And dear friend, if you're here today, please hear me. If you don't know Jesus Christ, he wants a relationship with you. You matter to God. You matter to God. He loves you so much. And that's why he said to the disciples, it's better for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the friend, the comforter, the advocate will not come. God's Holy Spirit's come and we are here because you matter to God. And then finally this morning, ask for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit's power. I'm asking you to begin to pray sincerely and fervently for our church, for just such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit's power. In our first service this morning, people were coming through telling me, said, Pastor, I've been praying the same thing. Pastor, this is what I want. I had someone come through this morning and say, oh, Pastor, I sensed God this morning. Friends, that's not because we spray the atmosphere with anything. I want you to know the Holy Spirit is here And he's welcome in this place. Can we give him another hand of praise this morning? But let's look at this passage as we get ready to pray. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people, and your sons and your daughters. I called out two of the teenagers that were here this morning, Jack and Julia. And I had... I had just been praying for Jack and Julia. And I said, Jack, Julia, I've been praying this passage over you. And somehow or another that connected with them because just this week, for those two kids, I've been praying, pour out your spirit. For your sons and daughters, Bella, I want an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon you. Ekaterina, I want an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon you. Christian, Addison, I want Kino. Becky and I prayed for you this week. God would just pour his spirit out upon you. And I'll know the Holy Ghost is poured out upon you when y'all quit sitting in the back and you get down front here and help me preach, okay? Get down here. Help me. I'm asking God, pour out his spirit. And your old men, Pastor Rick, I've been asking God, pour out his spirit upon you and me. I want a friend. I don't want to grow old and stale. I don't want to grow old and stiff. 
I don't want, I, I, I was stretching this week. And I've thought about Ian Fariskel, who helped me with so much therapy before he moved away. <clears throat> and I'm doing something I hadn't done in years because I've noticed, if anybody else notices when you get 60, even if you exercise, you still get a little stiff every once in a while. I got out of the car the other day. I had been driving for about two and a half hours straight. And I hurt. And I looked inside and I told Becky, I said, I hurt. She says, walk around. <laughs> She's got experience, you know. She's not here. So I walked around a little bit and stretched. And so I got down on the floor and I did a runner's hurdle or stretch. Oh, don't do that if you haven't done it in a long time. Just so happened, Ian called me Thursday night and we were talking. I said, Ian, I thought about you this week. He goes, you did? I go, yeah. I said, I was stretching. I told him what I just told you. And I said, I kept hearing your voice. Legs like butter. Legs like butter. Legs like butter. I said, I got legs like rock. I don't want to grow up. You see, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit, he's like an oil. He gets all massaged into your spirit and you stay young and you stay fresh and you stay vital and you stay fruitful even into very old age. Don't you want that this morning? So pray for our kids. Pray for us. And those of you in between, we're praying for you too. Because even on my service, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Ephesians 3.16. I pray that of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Before I pray, I want to tell you, Two stories. My daddy always loved powerful cars. 19, whatever, I bought a Toyota Corolla. I bought it to be econ economical. Becky and I were young, and I had a high-performance Mercury Cougar that my daddy loved. I also had a Toyota Celica GT Fastback. My daddy loved that car. But those cars burned a lot of gas, so I bought a Toyota Corolla. My family all got together and we decided we'd go to the North Georgia mountains. They're not the big mountains like the Smokies, but they're mountains, especially compared to Porcupine Mountain. These are real mountains. And we went up, we were gonna eat at the Dahlonega house and my sister and brother-in-law and were riding with my daddy and he had this Chrysler with this 400 and something engine in it. We got on the side of the mountain at one of those overlooks in North Georgia, and I got out, and we were all looking, and Becky and I got back in my brand new Toyota, economical. Did I say it was economical? But it wasn't powerful. Because when I went to pull off, it wouldn't take off. I tried again, I popped the clutch again, it wouldn't take off. I got out of the car, Daddy backed up, he says, what's wrong, fella? I said, this car won't move. He said, that's what you get for buying a rice burner. <laughs> and he literally had to stop traffic so I could back down to a place on the mountain where it was flat and get a running start. I was so mad. They stopped. I didn't stop until I got to the Dahlonega house and I drove that car home and sold it. I got me another big car. <laughs> One other story. First time... I ever pulled a load of tobacco. We had been cropping tobacco and Mr. Lamb threw me the keys to his brand new Ford XLT pickup truck. Anybody remember Ford XLTs? 
That thing went broom, 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 broom when it ran. I was so excited. We hooked up the tobacco wagon. Our church had a provision. You could grow it, but you just couldn't use it. So we hooked up the tobacco wagon. And, and I was so, I drove off real slow because I knew Mr. Lamb was watching. I got out of sight. I gunned that thing. I flipped a whole load of tobacco off. They had to come reload the truck. Mr. Lamb was so kind to me. He was so gracious to me. He didn't fire me. But I learned my lesson. You can have too little power or you can use too much power. I want you to know the Holy Ghost knows what he's doing in this day and this time for our church. Let's follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Let me pray for you. Hallelujah. Father, I am literally trembling on the inside this morning. I don't know what it is that you're doing just yet, but I deeply sense inside of me, Lord, a fresh move of your Holy Spirit upon our church. I remember years ago when we all started this thing together, Lord, we were praying for the power of the Holy Spirit because you had entrusted to us the greatest message in the world. You've entrusted to every Bible-believing church the greatest message in the world, and that's the good news of Jesus Christ. God, we were so excited as we thought about what you would do building a community out of us. And Lord, helping us to help others and to love the communities that we lived in. And Holy Spirit, this morning, I tremble with excitement as I ask you one more time, would you give us a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit? God, would you reach down and touch the fault lines underneath our community and underneath this church and hear our prayer as we sing hymns to you, as we worship you, and as we cry for a fresh move of God among us. Lord, not that we can experience something in this church, but so that every passionate follower of Christ will leave this place commissioned as a minister of the good news of Jesus Christ, that whenever they pray for the sick, that they are healed, that whenever, Lord, they share the good news of Jesus with their friends, that, Lord God, there will be a witness of your spirit in their lost friend's life. I'm asking you in Christ's name, come and baptize us fresh and anew in your Holy Spirit. We believe God, that there's more that you want to do. And Lord, I'm praying because I've seen it. I've seen it with my eyes of faith, Lord. I've seen this place full with people standing around the walls and not just at Christmas Eve. Lord, I've seen it, Lord, as we're planting more and more churches. God, with the same DNA that says, we want to celebrate God's love by persuading lost people to become passionate followers of Christ. And Lord, I've seen it as you have transformed so many of us that are sitting in this room and in the first service this morning, you've transformed us by the power of your Holy Spirit. 
If you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, I want you to know he loves you. You matter so much to him. And you, I believe, perhaps could be experiencing right now that prompting of the Holy Spirit. Trust me. Trust me. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you that death could not hold you. But on the third day, God raised you up. And today I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I don't understand it all. But I ask you, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And as much as I know how, I give my life to you. While every head is bowed and no one's looking around, if you prayed that prayer, you need to lift your hand high so I can see it because there are a lot of people in this room. God bless you. Every eye closed. God bless you. Thank you. Say, Pastor, I'm committing my life to Jesus. I just prayed with you. Would you lift it up? Yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Thank you. Yes, God bless you. Hallelujah. Is anybody else? There's probably a half a dozen people already saying, yes, God bless you, sir. Thank you. Is there somebody else say, Pastor, I'm committing my life to Jesus. Lift it high so I know that's what you're doing. Friends, let's give the Lord a hand of praise for what he's doing here today. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Worship the Lord. Rejoice, rejoice, I say in him. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Our ushers are going to come and receive the offering. Pastor Rick is going to come and pray. But he's also going to share with you a gift we have to help you. You committed your life to Christ. There's a card in the back of that pew or chair that you're sitting in this morning. Would you just fill it out? Give me your name and your email so I can email you something tomorrow. I promise you I won't come knocking on your door. I won't bird dog you. I won't try to put a loaf of bread in your hands. If you want a loaf of bread, I'll get you a whole truckload. But I just want to write you and tell you some more about what this decision means that you made for Christ today. I'll even send you a $5 Starbucks card. Becky and I want to give you a card just so you'll know We love you. We don't want your money. We want to see you know Jesus Christ. So would you check that box on the back, give me your email, your address if you want to, and I'll contact you tomorrow. I promise. I love you. I'm so glad you're here today. Let's give the Lord one more hand of praise for what he's done this morning.